0: Get G'day ladies and gents, welcome back to Life of Mine, the go-to underground mining podcast. Maddie Michael here, I've uh, just come off night shift. Uh, it's three, three o'clock in the morning at home. Can't sleep, so well, would, and I'm a bit being keen to get back on the microphone after the after a week away. So thought I'd uh, rip an early morning session. I'm sitting here with me uh, coffee, the baby monitor, and me onesie, living the living the dream. So first up, I just want to thank everyone for all the reviews and comments and feedback you've been sending through via the Life of Mine Facebook page, and just even some personal Facebook messages, they've been very, very humbling, and uh, really appreciate it, really appreciate everyone getting on board, and this episode I'm about to do is actually from a question that some uh, fellas sent through, uh, his name's Matt Butler, hopefully he's uh, okay with me disclosing his name, he appears to be, I don't, personally don't know Matt, but he appears to be a great graduate mining engineer, and he's after some tips and tricks, in how to be a good graduate, good miner, good engineer, and a good shift boss. Matty said he's loving being underground with the crew at the moment, working in doing his underground time, but his end goal is to get his first-class ticket, first-class manager's ticket. He's looking for some advice to uh, take on board for that journey. So, mate, happy to help, and I'll give you some of my personal experiences and stuff I've noticed throughout the throughout my time in the mining industry as a mining engineer originally, and we'll go from there, mate. So how I'm gonna structure this, I'm gonna go through each stage uh, of the development as an engineer. So first you're gonna be a graduate mine, uh, graduate mining engineer, straight out of uni. Then you will go and do, likely go and do your underground time, which may be split up into three month blocks, six months blocks, or you might get a year straight, depends on, depends on where you work. Once you finish that, you'll come likely come back into the office as a mining engineer, a drill and blast engineer, or a planning engineer, or some ventilation officer, or combinations of the above. And if you're lucky enough, you'll then get some shift bossing time. You maybe a couple of years after that to be, all depending on where you work. And then following your shift boss time is when you'll be looking to sit your exams for your first class manager's ticket. Which, for most people, is the end goal. End goal, everyone wants to get their first class ticket. That's the, that's the big achievement. Big payoff for working in the mining industry for five plus years. So yeah, we may as well get into it. Let's go. Right, the first stage, being a grad. Now, this stage is one that I fucked up royally. I, I come straight out of uni. I thought, thought I was a massive deal. Did my four years of study, skull and schooners at UNSW. And come over to Western Australia, got my first underground job, and thought I was going to bloody change the world. All all, I was look, I was just keen, keen as anything, passionate, but my attitude was shit. So I have a lot of, lot of stuff to pass on about this stage of the engineering, the first stage. And one of the one of the guys I'm hopefully going to interview this week, he was my general manager at my first job, so he will happily, uh, (laughs) happily tell you all about the. uh, early days of the snotty-nosed brat engineer, Matt Michael. So I'll just give you a bit of context of what you're going to expect rocking up to a mine site as a graduate mining engineer. Now, just to, to put it in perspective, you, you, you're going to rock up on site, you know absolutely nothing about mining essentially. You, you haven't been in a mine, you may, you may have been lucky enough to do some do some vac work along the way, but in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be surrounded by hundreds of years of mining experience between all the shift bosses and the foremans, and you have just fresh out of uni. So as a grad, you'll be doing a lot of familiarisation at the start. Some of it, a lot of it won't make sense because you haven't actually seen it. You'll be drawing all these blast plans and timings or plans in the office, and they just won't make sense because you haven't been had that real exposure to the underground environment but don't stress that's the biggest part is don't stress just you've just got to be patient it just takes so many years of learning and training to go through and the initial grad stage you just you're very frustrated because you don't know all this stuff and but it will come so the biggest bit I want to focus on is the attitude and the demeanor that you take into your first day and this the what you take in to that will shape the way that people are willing to teach you and the way that they interact with you if you're if you're a smart ass and you're trying to act like you know stuff already they're just going to be like oh here we go another bloody engineer straight out of uni knows everything you just you've really got to go in with a, a attitude that sort of promotes the fact that yep I don't know anything I'm keen to learn and you've just got to really focus on showing and giving the respect that everyone deserves all the people that have been working in the mining industry for the whole period you've been at school and you've been at uni show giving them the the respect that they deserve for the knowledge they have because that they're the people that are going to pass that knowledge on to you and you've got to soak it up so and you're gonna you're gonna cop a lot of jokes about being an engineer you're gonna get shitloads of it everyone rags on engineers (laughs) it's uh that's just you've just got to roll with it if you if you bite back and uh try to be a smart ass about it just yeah they'll just keep coming you just gotta just gotta roll with it because the people that are making these jokes on you they're the while you've been in high school while you've been in uni they've probably been working underground that whole time. Some have been working underground before you were even born. So those people making the jokes about being an engineer, they're the people you're going to learn off. They're they're the people that have gained so much knowledge out of the underground mining industry because they've been working in that environment for so long. And you have to get the knowledge off them. That's the... So developing those relationships early and... Or as I said, it all comes back from showing, giving everyone the respect that they deserve, and not being a trying not to be cocky. And this, as I said, this is all coming from my personal experience because I did the exact exact opposite of uh, something I'd wish I could probably go back and change the attitude I came out of uni with. But anyway, we've got there, and the, that's the the purpose of purpose of this podcast is to you know. Allow people to learn from the mistakes of others and not make those mistakes themselves. So, in summary, of the grad stage, patience. Be very patient. Patient to learn. Be keen. You've got to be keen. You've got to show a lot of aptitude towards the role as a mining engineer. You've got to be. A, you've just got to be a sponge. You've got to soak up every single bit of information you get. And I've found you retain more information the more interested you are if you don't if you just don't give a shit and you turn it up to get paid you're just not going to retain the information but if you're passionate and you're going home thinking about what you've learned that day you'll retain a lot more information respect you've got to show everyone and give everyone the respect they deserve there is no matter what how old anyone is how much experience they've got their perceived level of competency you will learn something off everyone and give everyone the time of day because I guarantee even the person that uh, everyone rags on for being the most bloody useless person on site you you will learn something off that person so give everyone the time of day now the biggest tip during this grad stage I can give as I I said before you're going to be doing a lot of familiarisation a lot of probably tours around with uh, shift bosses and everything now, you've got to latch onto the foremans and the shift bosses. If you can... They, they are the blokes that they've been mining than, longer than you've been alive and they have seen everything. They've seen it at different mine sites and you've you'll only... Even after a bloody decade in the industry, you're only scratching the surface. So if you can form a good rapport with shift bosses and foremans and just look... just If you've got to buy them a beer or whatever just say look can I just come for a run with you underground in the morning if you can hang around these blokes because they, they are just knowledge powerhouses they're the guys you want to learn off If you can sit in the office all day and learn stuff off the piece of paper from the engineers and everything but if you want you want the real practical knowledge of how underground mining works they're the guys that are going to give it to you so during that stage where you're you sort of, you know, I guess you're twiddling your thumbs in the earliest stages of being a graduate, you're trying to find your place. you haven't really um, been assigned a specific role that you're solely there to take care of. That's the opportunity to get in with the shift bosses, get in with the foremans, and go on as many underground trips as you can. the The longer you're underground, the more days you're underground, the more hours you're underground. The more you learn you learn so much more looking at it with your own eyes rather than pieces of papers or bloody survey pickups in serpac you learn it all by being down there so yeah i can't i can't stress that point enough and everyone knows me or bloody knows i get cabin fever and if i've ever been in the office i have to go underground every day your your goal is to go underground every day i know it's not, sometimes it's just not feasible there's a shitload to do in the office but if if that is the case like well, how can i make my job, make my time in the office more productive so i can get underground more often because that's that's where you see everything you know if you're down there underground looking at the jobs you won't get the wall pulled over your eyes if you just sit in the office all day you will have the wall pulled over your eyes so anyway i hope that's probably the grad stage covered so the next stage you'll be going to do your underground time now this is the exciting bit. This is what everyone and, and Matt that asked this question he's he said, oh, he's loving loving being underground with the crew and a lot of people. I know I was like it when you when you're down there doing your underground time. You just don't want to go back to the office. You just you're, the the culture's awesome. The camaraderie's awesome. You're down there, bloody running your ass off, sweating your guts out, charging late in the shift, and it's just such a such a good lifestyle it's just awesome fun so and it's uh <laughs> a lot of a lot of people want to give away the engineering and stay underground oh, i did um oh and then i went back i was all over the bloody shop but that's uh yeah it's this is the this is the time you'll enjoy so the the tips the tips that i can give going into your underground time now it's pretty well disclosed the usual structure of your underground time you uh, this is Western Australia, I assume Queensland's pretty similar, but you've got to do your three months of... Uh, oh, sorry, six months of miscellaneous first up, which will consist of truck driving, nipper, service crew, any any sort of miscellaneous. Uh, you'll then have your three months of charging, and, which will either be production or development or both, and then you'll have three months of drill time, which will be usually a long hole drill that's the um you rarely get a chance on the jumbo because jumbo is obviously so such a critical aspect and aspect of the mining cycle uh, that you can't really afford to train up a grad on the jumbo for a week it's just not feasible um and it's so bloody hard to learn so you'll likely do time on a long hole drill some people have done it on an air leg some people, I think some people have even done it on a raised board, but most commonly long hole drill. And the best thing about doing it on a long hole drill, the first role you usually have after your underground time is in some cases is a drill and blast engineer, which directly applies to long hole drilling. So tips on doing your underground time. Now, first one, don't drop your lip when you're on the fucking truck for a couple of months. You just, it's it's going to happen some people get pretty lucky um, but in a lot of cases you get chucked on a truck and you're gonna have to do it for two to three months sometimes and usually it's because the the until someone is going to fill that position for you so you can move on to nipper you'll you'll be stuck on a truck and you've just got to wear it it's it's three months oh I know I bloody soaked hard and as I said please learn from my mistakes but if you sit there sook and drop your lip. It's just everyone notices it, and you'll probably just stay on the truck for bloody ever. If you, but you've just got to try, try go in with a positive attitude and really try and get the most out of it. And look, make it make it fun while, while you're on, while you while you're doing your truck time. Have a chat to the bogger operators. Hit them, hit them. Try learn off the bogger operators. Say, oh look, how do you just. Uh, can you give me a run rundown on the stuff you do while you're loading where, where you put the buckets how many buckets you put on what sort of what sort of stuff you're looking for um, anything you can anything you can do to learn learn more about the loading and haulage cycle so once you get once you, if you've done three months on the truck and you sort of feel like you're not getting anywhere yeah you're probably probably time to sort of speak up but, Again, when you're gonna, when you're gonna ask about, or oh, when I'm, when am I gonna get off the truck? Again, it's all about the demeanor and the attitude you take into that conversation. You don't want to go in and say, "Ah, oh, I've been on the truck for three months. I'm an engineer. I'm better than this fucking yet." Yeah. Because then you know what? The, and they'll keep you on the fucking truck for another six months. Um, when you do go and ask that question, say, look, I've done with three months on the truck. When when can I be looking at sort of going nipper and service crew? And so, again, it's all about having those respectful conversations because usually there's that much shit going on in a mine that the managers have got way bigger worries in the world than the engineers sitting on the truck. So, please be mindful of that. And that's the... I guess that's the warning about the underground time and look if you've got any chance of not getting stuck on the truck for three months it'll be because you've gone in with an awesome attitude at the start you're keen as you want you get in and have a go and usually and when and the biggest way to show people that is when your truck's parked up get out of the bloody thing go check scale and Say, look, my truck's broken down. Can I go offside to Jumbo? Can I and make sure you get all your get your offside and ticket early. Just get any tickets that you need that so you can. You can obviously drive an LV, which you will get that bloody ticket straight up. But you want to have your ticket so you can offside to Jumbo because if you're down there, bloody having a crack, sweating your guts off, throwing bolts for a Jumbo, that Jumbo operator's gonna gonna go tell the bloody shift boss or the foreman say oh that bloody engineer Joe Blow oh he goes hard yep get him down want him nippering want him nippering and, that, and that's how you'll get off the truck you won't you won't get off the truck by bloody soaking you'll get off the truck by having a go and and you've just got to take any opportunity that arises to make that happen and show everyone what you're made of so that's that early stage and then same as uh, so when you get into service crew, that, that's a there's, there's so much to so much to learn in service crew. You have got your your vent and services, all the tricks tricks that there's so many tricks of the trade with um, hanging bloody uh, services, all the one ten and everything. Everyone does it different, and it's just again you've got to be that sponge. You've got to soak soak in bloody all the information that everyone gives you, and you've got to come up with your own bloody winning formula. Because as I said. Everyone does does service crew different. Um, you've got to see which way works the best for you, and look, try every way. And to be honest, you're going to do it for bloody three months, and probably forget a lot of it after it. But you've got to see all the different ways that people do things, and you're going to. And that's another one when you go on the service crew. It's and it's pretty similar to the truck. You're going to get stuck, and you're going to be the IT driver. And you've just, again, you've just got to wear that because uh, if they're putting you in the basket by yourself and someone's driving the IT, you, you're going to not know what the fuck you're doing. When you're driving that IT, you've got to watch what they're doing in the basket and try and learn from the way they're doing it, from your view in the cab. And obviously, obviously ask a lot of questions before and after the job and just try and soak up that information of all the service crew people. But again, don't drop your lip. Because you're sitting in the IT all day, and it's it's it does get does get pretty boring. Pretty you get pretty tired sitting in the IT. Get a bit lazy, but again, any opportunity that arises that you can get out and run around and uh, prove to everyone you're able to bloody work and do the heavy lifting, you got to do it. Don't get bloody comfortable sitting in the IT aircon. And and when you are the IT driver, um, really try and appreciate you've got the people's lives in your hand in that basket you can one false move or if you clip the wall or bloody uh put one of the basket people in a pinch point it's uh yeah that's something you've got to live with you slow and smooth all all machinery they say slow as smooth as fast same as uh lifting it's up and down and moving them around just take it take it steady and who they're, they're going to be bloody yelling shit at you from the basket and you can't hear you. you. got the door closed, the engine's going, they're like, go fucking up, you dickhead. You just you don't get frustrated. Just And if they're yelling and you don't know what to do, don't assume any movements. Only move on the hand signals. And just if you don't know what they're doing, don't know what they're saying, just don't move because you might move in a way that's going to bloody injure someone. So, yeah. Can't stress enough the importance of being a safe IT driver because you'll be doing a lot of it. You'll be doing a lot of it at the start. But then once you get going, as I said, learn learn about what they're doing in the basket. And once you get in the basket, then you can have, have a crack. There's so much to learn. so And you'll think you have the process nutted out from the cab looking at bloody uh, how they do it, how they're joining vent, how they're bloody joining services. And then when you get up there, you're like, "Oh shit, I don't know what to do." That's just just stop and ask. Don't don't be afraid to ask. Just say, "Look, I've I've never done this before. I don't know. Can you please show me?" And look, it's gonna sometimes take a few goes, but try and remember the best you can. So that's that's service crew. Now you'll be then going on to charge up, charge up. Now this is this is where the the real fun starts. And Now go on development charge up you're going to be bloody running around like a blue ass fly usually charging the charging the late cuts for the jumbo and look that's it's it's bloody awesome fun and again yeah if they're you're gonna to have to get bloody dirty usually especially if you're charging a decline and she's flooded uh, the lifters aren't gonna charge themselves just get in there go swim and get the bloody power gel in there that's how you. That's how you're going to get the respect from everyone. If you get in there and have a go, if you bloody stand back say just because you don't want to get your socks wet, uh, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get much respect. Don't bloody hurt yourself doing it, obviously. But it, look, if it's good, if you got to get it done, you got to get it done. Um, but don't break any procedures in doing it. But I don't think there's a procedure that you can't bloody get wet socks to go charge lifters. So yeah, get in, get in, and have a crack. Um, when you get into production charging, that's that's this, there's a lot to lot to learn there. Deve- Development sort of your your bread and butter, but when you get into production charging, that's where you where you got to learn a lot of stuff. And a lot of that stuff, as I said, will apply to your role as a drill and blast engineer. Because when they're coming up saying that the prep results have come back bad and you can't charge holes, and you're like, buddy, well, oh, why not? Did you have a crack at bloody unblocking it? You'll, this is why you've got to really get involved in the production charge-up side of things and appreciate what these blokes have to go through, bloody cutting mesh, explo- exposing holes and unblocking holes and when you're hot as hell and pushing a bloody stapos 20, 30 metres up a hole. So really get in and have a go because, uh, yeah, that's, you're going to be dealing with these blokes a lot uh, in and out of the office when you're a drill and blast engineer. And you've got to, if you can, and especially if you can go down there and say, look, I've got me bloody working at heights, give me a harness, I'll go bloody unblock it myself. That's, uh, that's when you get the real respect. So now up and down holes, you're going to be exposed to uh, hopefully hopefully, both. If you can get on a job that, where they're doing a lot of down holes, that's, uh, there's a lot to learn there, how to, how to block them off, how to, how to charge them, how to deal with the water, how to prep them. There's shitloads to learn. I'm gonna gonna do an episode on uh, production charge up and development charge up, get some gurus in. There's been a bit of bit of demand for it, especially down holes. There's so so many different ways to block off holes and uh, so many tips and tricks with unblocking blocked holes, with dropping shanks down and stuff like that. So there's uh gonna be some episodes coming up about that. So Yeah, the final stage, long hole uh, your drill time. Now I'm just I'm gonna focus on uh, long hole drilling that's that's mostly what people are going to do as I said people have done other other uh, drill times before cable boulders people have done cable boulders, which is essentially a bloody long it's a, exactly the same as the long hole drill and not not many people not many uh, mine sites have cable boulders so I'm going to use long hole drilling as the example for your drill time now the stuff you've got to uh, look out for a lot and and again uh, a lot of the long-haul drillers you're going to learn off Ho- hopefully hopefully you get an old bloke old bloke because usually the old blokes they've probably been bloody jump operators and boggers and everything and they're using the the long-haul drills their retirement job now if you can get stuck with a one of these guys you are made because you you sit with these blokes for 12 hours and annoy the living shit out of them and you can just ask as many questions as you want They and they'll have that many stories. And they've been in the mining industry for bloody 30, 40 years, possibly. Um, and again, they are one of those knowledge powerhouses that I'm talking about. They've, they not only know the mine that you're at really well, they know all another bloody 10 or 15 mines that they've worked at. So, you've got to really use that time wisely and not only just learn about long hole drilling, learn about every other bloody facet of underground mining that you can. So along with learning about all that, long hole drilling specifically, stuff you've got to look for, you've got to, you've got to look for everything in the job of a long hole drill that you're going to utilise as a drill and blast engineer Once you once you get back into the office. Now, stuff like survey markup that's that's the biggest one i I think is what your plan looks like on your computer that's not what it looks like underground when it's marked up you got to learn about errors in survey markup like remember you you're marking it up with paint you can only you're only as accurate as the as the paint pole now if something if you might see a hole on the computer screen that's like yeah we'll 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 be able to drill that look we can it's just just it's right on the edge but we'll be able to drill it it mightn't be like that underground the survey pickup is only a it's not it doesn't pick up every single millimeter of the drive it's just a um it's just a, a it's an interpolation of that um the you might have a bolt bloody sticking out you might have the collar right where a bolt is uh you might might be a little lump on the wall that's preventing the boom to actually get the angle that you need. All those little things you've got to uh, appreciate that when you say you've got to bloody drill a hole at 76.4 degrees, sometimes it's just not practical to drill it at that bloody um, 0.4 of a degree, especially if they're using hand and and things like that. So really learn to how am i how am i trying to say this learn learn that the what it looks like on the computer screen mightn't be what the actual holes look like underground and that's the always comes back to the importance of when you are a drill and blast engineer actually going down and looking at the final job of how it's actually been drilled and if it actually reflects the design that you've put out and look it's impossible to have it perfectly reflect the design but it's like well it's a it's a bit different and it's obviously going to be is it still going to work and that's some of the stuff you'll learn off the long hole drillers the experience guys you got to learn what you can get away with because if you're if you're parking up buddy jobs because holes have been drilled short you've hit a you've hit a buddy cable bolt or something like that or you and you've you've you got to learn what you can get away with that you don't hold up production. There's, a, there's obviously a fine balance between holding up production and bridging stopes. You've got to find that balance and that balance is different for every job but you've got to, and sometimes the drill and blast engineer will be the one making the call. So look, this hole's blocked, this stab hole's blocked in the shoulder. Uh, do you want to get a drill in to re-drill it or do you want to just fire it anyway? Yeah, that's... Uh, Again, that's that obviously comes from the approval of the manager, but if you're you're the you're the one making the decision to take to the manager, you're gonna say, Look, yep, seen it before. Ideally would fire it, but we don't have it. We if we try to unblock it tonight we won't get the stape fired. So again, learn what you can get away with and it changes for every every joint. All the ground's different at every joint. It uh, what you can get away with it one mine site you won't get away with it another learn you've got to learn to adapt so that's the that's your drill time and that that conclude that'll be the usually the conclusion of your underground time and now now it goes back the other way so you've gone you've come to site as a graduate and gone underground as a enge- engineer thinking that you know everything with a piece of paper now it goes back the other way. You're going to go back up to the office now and telling everyone, "Oh yeah, back when I was bloody underground, back when I was on the long haul, thinking you've uh, thinking you've been this uh, big experienced miner for after your three months of long haul." And again, this is that point of part of respect that comes back. Every everyone in the office, all the engineers the, and your managers and everything, just remember they've done their underground time as well and they've been been around the mining industry longer than you so take that respect that you took down the hole around the around all the crew take that respect back up with you into the office and show that respect to your managers and your your senior engineers because they've 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 done the exact same as you you know you're nothing special you you've just done your underground time like everyone else so make sure you it's a look it's you're come out of the hole so enthusiastic about it and you just you you want to change designs to suit the underground people because that's what you've been doing for the last year and you've got to remember there's 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 three parts to a mine usually you got you got the mine itself the the asset the ore body you've got the client and then you've got the contractor some sometimes it's owner operator but those three—the the the ore body, the client, and the contractor—it's impossible to please all of them. It's impl- it's impossible to please both of them at once. Essentially, what's best for the client isn't best for the contractor. What's best for the contractor isn't the best for the hundred uh, percent extraction of the ore body. Sometimes, so it's it's creating that fine balance, knowing knowing I guess knowing who to please the best. So. Uh, and a, a prime example of this, and this is one that gets brought up all the time, is developing drives and then coming back bloody 100 metres and have to, having to take a strip and pull out, disconnect all the services and the vent. And everyone underground bloody whinges about it and says, "Ah, oh, it's just it's fucking bullshit. Engineers don't know what they're doing. There. Why don't they just do this as they go past? But that's from the contractor perspective now from the client perspective you might need to develop this drive going straight ahead bloody as soon as possible to break into the return airway circuit to set up the ventilation for the entire mine and then you don't, that being the case you don't have time to bloody take a strip and push a, drive, a cross cut in 20 metres so you can extend the services past There's, that might be one or two weeks delay just to get that get that uh 20 meters in and you you the the schedule the whole schedule that the whole life of mine or the three month schedule might revolve around can't afford to waste two weeks to get that return airway in so from the perspective of the contractor the engineers are useless because they should have bloody put the drive in at the start because they have to they're the ones that have to disconnect the services and the vent but from the perspective of the client you need to push that bloody return airway and get it completed as quick as you can to set up the rest of the mine and then you sort out the cross cuts later on. So that's one you will expect, that's one you hear all the time. And it this argument will go on for years, trust me. And there's no there's no easy way around it. So what are my tips to be a kick ass engineer? The biggest one. The, this if you if you take one thing out of this episode, take this trust no one there's uh, i usually say it different but that's how i say it in the podcast trust no one if someone comes up and says the whole bloody the the stopes fucked we can't fire it yep blah 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 shut it down or vice versa yep it's good to go yep no worries fire it tonight Wh- whatever they say yeah and, and you're the drill and blast engineer if you have not laid your eyes on that stop, do not trust what anyone tells you until you've seen it yourself. Don't make any critical decisions. You need like if there's if there's a, a critical stope that needs to be fired, and there's some form of holdup or some even some uh, like anything that could risk the successful extraction of that stope, and you're taking someone else's word for it. You're just gonna you're gonna get bloody stuffed over. At some point. You need to get down there and have a look at yourself and usually go down with the long holder drill. go down with the shift boss, who, whoever has the query, lay your eyes on it because I've seen so many cases and I've, I've done them myself where you take the word of someone and you make a design based on that word and it something fucks up. So I can't stress the importance enough of trying to get down and see every stope frequently and look as a drill and blast engineer which as i said is usually going to be your first port of call as an engineer you're going to be bloody running around like a blue ass fly and you're gonna you're gonna get you'll be get pumping out plans and then the manager will want it changed and you'll change it to the way he wants it then you'll do do the plan the next day exactly the the way that he wanted it and he wants to change it again back to the other way you do it and you just want to pull your hair out. That's that's part of the role. That's part of the role, that's part of the learning. A lot of the learning is trying to learn how and each engineer, each manager wants they design drill and blast different to each other manager. You gotta if they're the ones signing it off, you do it their way. And whichever way they wanna do it on that specific day of the week. So don't let it don't take it to heart um it's you'll be just remember you got eight days you just got to go hard for eight 12 hour shifts sometimes they're bloody probably 13 hour shifts when you're uh working back late to get drill and blast plans out so try not let it let it get to you just yeah just just turn up and have a bloody go so another one i want to stress is having that good rapport with the foreman now the foreman is the middleman between you doing a design putting a plan out and the underground crews executing that plan the foreman is the middleman now if you have a good relationship with the foreman you want to you want to go underground with them as much as you can while well, on those underground trips you're talking about the weekly plan you're talking about designs you're talking about anything that's fucked underground you go into those workplaces you're talking to the operators you're with the foreman and you, the amount you can sort out and make your job easier while you're down there with them, uh, it's just it's just so, it's invaluable. The There's so many times you can spend hours on doing a design up top based on what you think you know of the underground environment down there and you can, because you haven't been down and looked at it, or you haven't, uh, you haven't negotiated with the, the relevant stakeholders, you'll end up having to redo the work the next day. So the, I guess the, the thing that's the turn off sometimes is people like, I've got so much to do today, I don't have time to go spend four hours going underground with the foreman or with the shift boss. And that's the deterrent usually. And that's it's the trap. It's the trap you can fall into. You've got to you've got to reverse your mindset and say, I need this four hours or well, look, you don't have to go that bloody long, but by it's sometimes by the time you get year on and go up, go down, it might take bloody three hours. You've got to get in the mindset of saying, I need to go down I need to spend this three hours to go underground and check all the workplaces and that'll set me up to do my bloody plans better and avoid avoid rework. That's the biggest one is avoiding rework. So the the vessel that's gonna take you there is usually the foreman. So if you can get in on the underground, usually the foreman's just he's got his bloody he's got his two seater ute, goes down by himself, you can get in there as a and while you're learning about the mine learning about what's actually going on down there you're learning about mining in general you you bloody you're sucky. you're like a leech you've got to be like a, a bloody pain in the ass leech you got to suck the knowledge out of these people so that's where i can't stress enough having that good relationship with the foreman getting underground with them is uh the way to go so that's a good uh so that should be a Good coverage of the drill and blast rail when you when you're fresh back into the office. Uh, yeah, this is this is God. Oh, we're nearly up to bloody forty minutes. The I'm just looking at the baby monitor. Chloe's squirming and squealing, so I'm, I'm just sort of pausing and in and out, putting the dummy back in. Got to try to let the missus have some sleep. She's bloody six months uh, six months sleep deprived and uh, she's going a bit nuts at the moment, so trying to, trying to look after her, the poor thing. She's mother, mother of the year. God love her. Anyway, now uh, your next next role is, uh, look, I'm, I'm, it's hard to, hard to cover every every mine site's structure, but look, just general, once you do drill and blast, you'll be some form of scheduling and planning engineer or mixture of above. Depends on how big your mine site is. When I did my uh, extensive uh, period of engineering time, I was at a site where there was two engineers. So you had a drill and blast engineer and a planning engineer. So uh, I'll speak of a, a general planning engineer role. Now, the planning engineer you, is, that's when you start doing all your, a lot of your level designs and your short to medium to long-term scheduling. Now, I want to speak specifically about level designs. Now, this is, I guess, your first stage of where you're really interacting with the jumbo operators because you're, I guess, you're, draw, you're drawing the lines that they're going to be boring the cuts to. So, now, now this is coming from the perspective of, of both. Um, I'm, I'm more skewed towards the... Uh, jump operator side now but your what looks pretty on your bloody on your Surpac screen everything's all 90 degrees or whatever it all looks tidy and you're with your small fillets and everything sometimes isn't the best for what's uh, underground and what's the quickest way to do it underground now for level designs this is this is one that i reckon is you can, you can speed up a mine by the way you design your turnouts. Now, in my my opinion, now this is my opinion, this isn't. This mightn't be 100% right and some people might disagree and tell you don't listen to that bloody podcast, that life of mine character. Now, the only time you need 90 degree turnouts. Now, th- these are the cases you need 90 degree turnouts. Now, forgive me if I miss any here. So... Usually, ninety degree turnouts are any anywhere a bloody truck is going to drive. So, your your access off your decline has to come off at ninety degrees because your truck has to turn in and go in there and turn. If it's getting loaded on the decline, it has to reverse in, and you can't a truck can't reverse around a corner that's uh, uh, on an acute angle. 90, so it has to be ninety degrees. Now your stockpiles. A stockpile that is used for truck loading has to be 90 degrees because the trucks have to then reverse back into the stockpile to get out of the level so it has to be 90 degrees. Now if you are intersecting a ore body so you like say let's let's assume a narrow vein ore body you will have to turn out 90 degrees on that because if you're, if you're coming into the center of an oil body you're, and you're going left and right, if you go in at bloody 80 degrees one side that means you're coming back on yourself on the other side and you can't get the bogger around. So you have to go out, turn out 90 degrees. So now the reason I'm talking about this, it is to go to turn out 90 degrees with a jumbo it's obviously it's the slowest way to do it. You have got to take a strip, then you have got to do a ninety degree cut, which uh, takes takes bloody time. You got to you got to wind wind it down a bit. You're like a yo yo hopping up and down all the time, looking to see if you you burn straight because you you can't see you can't see around bloody corners. So the if you have an opportunity to put a drive in like a, any sort of escapeway drive or a a bogging stockpile or any sort of return airway drive if you have the opportunity to put that in on an angle like 60 or 70 degrees you'll speed up everything you speed up the development cycle you speed up the like the jumbo just he rolls in chucks a it's a it's piece of piss then you just chuck a five or six row flitch in angled flitch get your first strip done and then you can bore a full bore a full cut in it and you can sort of look look straight or pretty close to straight on your burn after that so it's quicker for the jumbo it's quicker for the boggers um, you'll you'll always notice on any 90 degree turnout mm. the boggers will be bloody wheing because they can't bog the corner and that's just and that's just cause purely because it's 90 degrees and it's bloody hard to bog that corner um, and it's the same thing. The boggers will come up and whinge and the engineers, because they, they know best they're sitting in the office and it looks pretty. They're like, Oh, well, there's heaps of room here. These are our design fillets. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to bog it. That sometimes you just can't bog it until you can go down there and bog it yourself. Uh, listen to the bogger operators. So the way around that is in when ever pot, whenever you can, sometimes it's just not possible, but if you can chuck your, your drives on an angle, um, anything less than 90, 70, 60, 70 degrees, uh, you can speed everything up so much. And it's just, it's easier for the bogger. Pe- people who whinge say, oh, oh, you can't back your LV around. We're, we're not mining ore bodies to please fucking LVs. Okay? So if it's quit if you've got an angle on the drive, the boggers are, especially for bogging areas, the boggers just scream in and out of them, piece of piss. They don't have to go in full lock to get around the corner. So that's that's my biggest tip for being a when you're doing level design. Look at any opportunity you can to put your drives on an angle. Makes everything so much easier. And don't um. Now this will obviously obviously be determined by your geotechnical considerations, but um, don't skimp on your fillets because if especially for your long, long-term long development. If you've got tiny fillets that you can't get your boggers around, you're going to get that much, especially in areas that you're remoting, you'll get a lot of a lot of bogger damage. A lot of boggers are hitting the wall all the time trying to get around these corners. Make sure, just make it as easy as possible. You want to make things easy, but you obviously, when you have bigger fillets, you don't want to open, open up massive intersections that you're going to need a shitload of ground support to um, hold up long-term. So it's, again, it's that fine balance, but you've got to, I'm, I'm not saying try and take bloody shortcuts just to make it easy for operators. It's, again, it's about that balance. You've got to find what's best, the best balance between what's best for the bogger and best for extraction. You don't want to, you don't want to create massive intersections just so it's easy for the bogger, but that will that, result in bloody 50% dilution of an intersection stope. So judge it on case by case, but that's the, that's the stuff you've got to look for on your level development. Now scheduling. Scheduling. Um you oh, I guess usually the drill and blast engineer does the weekly schedule, most joints I've been at, and it's a good way to learn about how to how to sequence, learn about the flow. And I guess you then your medium term, your three month, your monthly schedule, your three month schedule, your your budget, your life of mine. Now I can't stress enough get everyone involved you've got to get everyone involved which whichever schedule and there usually you'll have these meetings set up there'll be a weekly planning meeting or a three-month planning meeting now you can sit there for you can do the bloody best three-month schedule you've ever done in your life you can spend two days on it and everything just looks awesome that that's your three-month schedule that's that's what you think is the best way to do it And that mightn't be the best way that the manager thinks to do it that mightn't be the best way for the foreman to do it prior to prior to putting all this work in or look even just once you've got a draft ready you've got to get everyone in a room and you've got to tap into the brains of everyone on that mine site geo survey everyone foreman's safety whoever it's all all about using the bloody the 10 20 mines that are there rather than relying on your own no one's that smart and look you might know the mind perfectly well and you might think you've done a great schedule but if you haven't if you haven't got everyone else involved you you open it up opening yourself up to not having the best schedule so i can't stress enough when you're in that planning role and you're doing scheduling is getting everyone involved getting the stakeholders involved because there's so much knowledge in that mo- on your mind side you'd be mad not to use it mad not to use it and don't get a that's the thing when you put all this hard work into these schedules don't get offended when someone says no we can't do that we can't do that and you have to change it because obviously if you've balanced all the numbers and you've got all your rates and everything and you've got to move these activities out um, it, it, it's a lot of work sometimes to rebalance everything You've just got to wear it you've just got to wear it and be patient with it so yeah that's a good coverage of the role of an engineer i think it's in, it's impossible to cover everything there's so so much to it but that's uh that's a few of my key points for this episode i'm sure we'll do another one this is uh hopefully hopefully this is answering old Matty butler's questions it's it's going to be going for an over an hour god oh, uh, you better listen to it matt 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 said he's even got his missus listening to it in the in the car with him. So I I'd, I'd think if his missus doesn't have anything to do with mining, I reckon she'd uh, she'd bloody hate him at the moment putting her putting it through this. But anyway, anyway, next next stage the shift shift bossing time. Now, as I said at the start, if you you hopefully you're lucky enough to get some secondment to do some shift bossing time, uh, usually. That'll be around that three to four year mark uh, of being an engineer. Now, the shift bossing time. This is, I guess, your underground time, as I said, is the fun part. Shift bossing time is your most valuable part, I think. Now, as I was discussing before, when people are coming coming up out of the hole with the problems and the engineers are like, oh, yeah, bloody God, they run a shit show down there. When you go do your shift bossing time, you realise how bloody hard it is to execute a successful shift. It is impossible. There is just so many things that go wrong. Any piece of machinery can go down. Lot like Your shift plan is purely based on all pieces of machinery being 100% utilised, all shift usually. And you will find out during your shift bossing time that usually never happens so you yeah, I was I was lucky enough to do uh, six months secondment as a shift boss and it was just oh the amount I learned in that six learned in that six months was just unbelievable just it, there's, there's so so much you don't know about the the cycle the development a lot of it is the development cycle um there's so much. Once you get into that role, you just realise there is so much that you don't know, and you just really appreciate what these shift bosses and foremans have to go through to execute the sometimes unpractical plan that the client puts out. But there's there's no excuse to have an unpractical plan. Usually, if, an, if there's an unpractical plan, that's because you haven't you haven't got the shift bosses and the foremans involved in creation of that plan. So. Yes your shift bossing time. Now there's it's hard to a trap that some people fall into when you go shift bossing because you've been a young engineer and you might be mates with some of the underground guys then you've got to go be their shift boss. When you're their shift boss you can't be everyone's mate. You're you're there to enforce the rules and the standards. You have got to make people put their bloody glasses on. If you if you rock up there as as a shift boss and you talk to the blokes that and don't pull them up about their glasses, or you you take your glasses off to try and fit in and be cool with the boys, you've just lost the respect of everyone, and they'll just walk over you for your whole shift boss time. If you're there as a shift boss, you have to enforce the rules because if if you take a uh this is the best tip that someone told me if you rock up to a workplace with a group of blokes and you've got the foreman with you and those blokes don't have their glasses on they see you walking up the foreman just looks at you and says well if they don't have the glasses on when you're rocking up today that means they know that you obviously don't enforce it so and yeah that's a that's a big one you've got to you can't really afford to be best mates with everyone because you've got you've got to make sure that everyone's following in procedures because when you're doing your shift boss time your ass is on the line if something I know they they say it all the time but it's very true if something something if there's a serious incident underground and it's uh, reported to the mines department and they have to conduct an investigation you will be in at the mines department being interviewed and you you will be asked why why you didn't follow us or why you didn't enforce these people to follow a certain procedure. I have seen it happen that uh, people, shift bosses have been interviewed by the mines department. So yes, that'd, that'd be the big one. Once, uh, not trying to uh, put a dampener on it. But yeah, shift bossing is the most valuable experience you will have during that engineering tenure And there is just so much to learn. And and a lot of it is just realising a lot of the challenges that uh, um, come across underground and how simple the the effort that has to go into executing those bloody three cuts that you've put on a shift plan for the week and it might just seem easy on a piece of paper but when you're the shift boss you realise the, the all the holes in the cheese that have to line up for you to execute that weekly plan and it's not easy and it's not easy and it really makes you appreciate uh, the hard work that people put in underground so really yeah I can't stress enough if you're at that third or fourth year as an engineer is really pushing to get your shift boss time that is just, it's, shift boss time isn't mandatory um, to get your first class ticket in WA, but it is, it's for, you, for your career development. If you get that shift bossing time, you're just, you're miles ahead of anyone that de- hasn't had it. And make sure when you do your shift bossing time, you get exposure to both development and production. At your bigger minds, you'll have a development shift boss and a production shift boss make sure you get time in each role and that's the the most valuable stuff to learn and a lot of the stuff that you don't know is the development shift boss side of things because as I said in the underground time you usually don't get time with the long hole drill you won't get time to learn the jumbo so when you but when you're development shift boss you learn so much about what the jumbo does what the jumbo cycle entails the bogging cycle and the pressure of achieving that one cut so if you've so if you've scheduled seven cuts in a heading for a week you'll realize when you're shift bossing what you've got to you've got to be on the bloody ball all day every day of the week to achieve those that one cut every 24 hours so some places it's easy and others it all depends on your ground support regime and how hard your ground is but if you've got a lot of a lot of bolts to put in and you've really got to throw your assets towards that those work areas to achieve that seven cuts for the week. So yes, shift bossing time imperative imperative as I said not a requirement for your first class but imperative can't can't enforce enough get your shift bossing time. And it's just sometimes it's not feasible for um, companies that send you underground shift boss and they want they need someone to replace your role but you just again you've got to make it happen. You're not going to... Don't sit back in the office just thinking, oh, yeah, they'll give me my shift boss in time because I'm working really hard. Nah, you've got to make it happen. As I said, managers have got heaps of other shit to worry about than usually the um, what their engineers want. They're, they've got enough stresses. You've got to go to them with your with your bloody demands and requests saying, oh, I want shift boss in time for my development. And, then, and if you're adamant about it and passionate about it, they'll give it to you. Yeah, so... That uh that covers shift boss and time. Now, I did skip over the um exam side of things. Prior to prior to getting shift boss and time, you obviously have to have your shift boss and ticket. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. We well, can't correct me because you're listening to it. You can message. Uh, you can get your shift boss ticket after two years. So you have to have done your year underground, and fulfilled the three months drill and three months charge and six months um. Miscellaneous, and it's actually shifts. Now, it's a number, of, a specific number of shifts. I think it's sixty-four shifts of each. Um, now, and to get that sixty-four shifts is essentially you got to do it on a two-and-run, two-and-one roster. So it's something like that. Anyway, once you've fulfilled that, and you've done two years within an underground mine, you can sit your shift boss exam. Now, the way I did it and the way most people do it, you can actually, after that two years, you can actually sit your first-class mine manager's exams and when you when you successfully complete those, you'll be given your shift boss ticket and then in three years' time, so once you've um, surpassed that five years within an underground, working in an underground mine, um, you can then apply for your first-class mine manager's ticket. Sorry, I made a mistake there. So it's not five years in an underground mine. It's five years at a mine where three of those years were within an underground mine. That's the, that's the prerequisites for your first-class ticket. So that was something that Matt specifically asked, the, the path to get your first-class ticket. That's the, the, that's the end goal. Now my advice would be not to focus on all the things to get your ticket you want to focus on developing yourself to be a good manager when you do get your ticket so just remember the ticket the ticket is just like a an engineering degree it's just it's just a piece of paper it's a it's an awesome achievement but it is just a piece of paper. If you've got that piece of paper, but you don't have the, don't have the marbles inside your head to effectively utilise and implement it, it's just it's a worthless piece of paper in my terms. You want to you focus... If you, if you want to be a manager, if that's your end goal, you want to be an underground manager, good on you, go for it. You want to focus on all the aspects of being an underground manager. So that, that comes from your foundation, of all these all these things you've gone through in that, that five years, so your you shift bossing time, you, your underground time, your time as an engineer, getting those nutted out, getting having give having a go at them at, at the, the best of your ability. But then it's the it's the high level stuff that you've got to start getting exposure to. It's all the it's the it's the safety side, the instant reporting, uh, like your INX, all the all the software. The reporting stuff to the mines department, your your contract management, there is just so so much stuff to learn to be a manager, and a lot and a, you talk to a lot of managers um, that have just learned it on the ru- like they learn it on the run. They they get appointed as a alternate underground manager, and they just have to start learning this. And that's the I guess that's the beauty. Once you if you get a you'll get a role as an alternate. And you obviously learn off your cross shift, who is the usually the underground manager. And you can oh, there's a there's a general manager on site. You you've got the ability to learn off them as well. There's just, but there's just so much so much to learn. I, I personally haven't um, had a role as a alternate or uh, un, I haven't used my ticket because I gave it away and to become a bloody to bore holes with a jumbo that's just the path I, path I took no, i not saying it's the right or the wrong path that's just the path I took and I'm bloody bloody loving it too so overall what is the advice I'm going to give for people that want to get their want to get their manager's ticket and be a manager when you get around that four I guess once you've done your shift boss in time and you're you're cruising along as a as a planning engineer or a senior engineer or a tech services superintendent or whatever bloody role role title, fancy role title. It's all about role titles these years. I, I just call them plan. I was just a planning engineer, but now everyone has to have senior mining engineer in front of their name. It all sounds bloody fancy to me. Anyway, what advice can I give in that period where you... Uh, leading up to doing your first class ticket exams, or look, you might you might have your ticket already, and you're you're waiting in line looking for an alternate underground manager role. What advice can I give? This is and uh, as I said, I've never held held a ticketed role, but I've, I've worked around a lot of a lot of managers that have and been exposed to it. The advice I can give is realize. The, the gaps in knowledge that you have. So look at the daily role of an underground manager, your boss, look at what he does, and each swing, go to work and say, Look, right, I, this is what he does. I want to learn about that. And just pick his brains. And there, there's, I haven't, I don't think I've, I've met an underground manager yet that won't spend the time with you to mentor you. And, and God, pe- people love talking about themselves. You've got to leverage the fact that people love talking about themselves. So, find these gaps and examples of this might be um, reporting stuff to the reporting incidents to the mines department say righto this swing I'm going to work I want to learn about how to do that hit your manager up and if he does it get him to take you through it, and he might start actually delegating some of this stuff to you other stuff contract management Uh, the underground manager might be signing off the day works each day for the contractor uh, looking at how to like manage their contract the rates and all the clauses in the contract go there one swing and say yep right i want to learn about how to manage the contract and just work through it and as i said this it's it gets a bit a bit much sometimes you look at you like holy shit this role as a manager is so intense how am i going to do this as i said some people have just you just learn it on the fly, and guys there's just so many years of experience that these guys have under their belt, and they've all been there. They've all been in the deep end at some stage, and they're all still learning as well. So, yeah, that's the that's the advice I've got. Just just be a sponge, figure out what you don't know, and learn that. And then you realise all the stuff that you don't know that you don't know. Then you then you're even more bloody stressed. So, yeah, any anyone that's out there looking to be a manager, going through that process at the moment, wish you all the best of luck. Get in, have a go. And uh, look, I'll take take me hat off to you because it's not an easy role, and you've got dealing with everyone's problems and the problems of the mine and the bloody whinging, board that wanted all the high grade sto- high grade stopes out before the end of the financial year. So, kudos to you all. So, yeah, Matty Butler. Hope hopefully I've answered your answered your question, mate. We've gone into the hour. Uh on the baby's bloody crying in the background. I better go get her up pump a bit of formula in it she's just started eating solid she's like this like a bulldog eating custard these are oh, just girl gets it from her mother and father loves a tucker anyway so yeah hopefully hopefully uh there's a few engineers that have got a got a bit out of this episode if you've got any uh, any more any further questions don't hesitate to contact me by via the life of mine facebook page and uh yeah looking to looking to cover many more topics like this and hopefully uh Hopefully, I've helped someone out. As long as I help a few a few people out each episode, my my time isn't wasted doing this. So yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, bringing a few more episodes this week. With uh, put put one up of the an interesting photo of an interesting bloke that we're that's uh, uh, gonna be a, gonna be a real funny episode next week. So please stay tuned. Anyway, over and out, listeners, and remember. Blowing the bloody breath-o each morning. Cheers.